Welcome into episode 57 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined. It's just the two of us, uh, but we're going to make it through it. David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. David, what's going on with you, man? And I don't know if I can get on, uh, get along without Travis or not, man. It's gonna be tough. I know, I know. He, uh, uh, Travis, had a last-second event p- uh, pop up that he cannot record with us this evening. But have no fear; we will try to keep you as entertained and informed as we possibly can. Um, but how have you been, man? It's we kind of it's yet another hectic week your schedule is just absolutely nuts uh trying to juggle both you know big boy websites with north carolina and kentucky at the same time so how how is your sanity right now well that that's just on on the side just add that to a full-time job oh that's right (laughs) try uh try teaching in the middle of covid right now with with a lot of distance learners and uh you know that you add all that together and it's it's a packed house what is the hardest thing about being a a virtual teacher now because i just me just recently graduating from college you know I, i get to see some of my younger high school friends and college friends that have gone on to be teachers but they're brand new with it. They're just now getting started. This is the, for a lot of them, this is their first experience as a teacher. You are a, a veteran in the teaching game, having to completely redo everything, what you're doing. What is the hardest part about it? Well, you know, learning technology, I guess, for it was, was a, a little bit of a concern, but that's worked out pretty well. Um, I think y- you're not sure the kids at, at school, or, or excuse me, at home, how well they're learning. We've had several opt to go from distance learning to come back to school because they were just struggling. I think you run into some that don't like school anyway. And, and I guess they thought distance learning might be their vacation. <laughs> That's not worked out very well, but yeah. I think one thing too is just relationship with the kids. You know, we're, we're, where I'm at, we're in a poor County and um, you know, there's a lot of kids struggling at home and, and families are struggling and, you know, food, clothing, being able to pay bills and all that stuff. And when they were at, at school, you know, you could really kind of keep your finger on that pulse mm-hmm. and do some things to help them. And, you know, now they're, they're not there and, you know, you just kind of worry about what their home life's like and, and, and it, you know, it makes helping a lot harder. Well, I appreciate your efforts to kind of, you know, do what you can to keep things keep things rolling on your front. And, and I appreciate you joining us tonight. This is uh, it, Recruiting is very slow right now. Let's just be yeah. let's just be totally honest. There's a, there are a few big time stories to talk about, but not a lot of little individual things to talk about. So um, this show might not be run as long. You know, we we say that all the time. Oh, this is going to be just a medium sized show, and ends up being two and a half hours. You know, things get off the rails very quickly. But based on the just the list of topics, this this might be one of uh, one of our shorter shows, uh, just because there's not a whole lot to talk about. We have Sky Clark's recruitment that he just set a commitment date, uh, Hunter Salas and how that dynamic fits in with everything. Bryce Hopkins uh, announced that he's going to be cutting his list to five this weekend. And then Olivier Saar kind of sort of got his waiver, kind of didn't. So those are the, the main talking points that we have uh, this, this evening. Um, so let's jump, jump right into the, the last one we just talked about, Olivier Saar. So we got news from Dick Vitale, of all people, 
who comes out and, and says, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I heard that the NCAA officially cleared Olivier Saar uh, two months ago and that we're only waiting on the SEC right now. And then I believe it was Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader that came out, and he confirmed that report with the NCAA and said, yes, they, uh, we have uh, approved Olivier to play, um, but still said that the SEC, that, that the ball's in, in Greg Sankey's court now. We're 100% waiting on what the SEC has to say and, and whether or not Olivier will be eligible. So, David, what is your take on on this being, you know, a two-step process that, you know, are you kind of a glass-half-full type guy that uh, we're halfway over, we have at least half of our answer confirmed right now, or are you kind of uh, taking more of the pessimistic approach that, okay, this is a little bit more complicated than we thought? Uh, have your thoughts changed at all on this on this uh, situation? Um. I'm uh, I feel pretty good about it. I think I feel better about them having to jump through NCAA hoop, or excuse me, SEC hoops than I do NCAA um, because you just never know with them. Uh, the SEC is a whole new thing, and I don't think a lot of times we're as aware of of what uh, you know the, the SEC's protocol is. Um, whereas you know we we. The whole concern the whole time, nobody ever thought about the SEC. Mm. It was just the NCAA. So the NCAA grants you eligibility. Well, great. And we didn't even know, really. A lot of people didn't. We didn't think about it. There was another jump, to, uh, a hoop to jump through. Um, and these situations are so much different. Uh, I think Kentucky's going with it. Same thing on the football side, I think, with Gatewood. Mm. You know, that that's – a similar thing. Oh, Tennessee uh, in football with Cade Mays, uh, you know, they're waiting on an SEC waiver, but that was more of an in-conference deal from Georgia to Tennessee. And I know that, that Kirby Smart's not too happy about that transfer. Right. Uh, whereas it tells me that Wake Forest and Steve Forbes went along with it and, and, and gave, gave their okay for the transfer, didn't do anything to try to block it. So they were good sports. So – a lot of these are just so, you know, they're different. It, it does concern me a little bit that here we are, uh, basically 48 hours or less from opening kickoff, and you've got guys like, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee are still waiting on uh, OKs from the SEC. And, I mean, we're, we're right up there ready for an opening kickoff, and they still haven't heard anything yet. So, um, you know, th that part concerns me of, of how long the SEC could drag this thing out. Yeah, and I mean, you look at Greg Sankey's comments, specifically about the Joey Gatewood, and I know this is a basketball podcast, but again, there's not much to talk about right now, so we might as well... Well, it's still, it's still it, good. No. It, it, it connects, but Greg Sankey was asked about this specific thing on a radio show, on a local radio show, and he said, the rules are rules for a reason. You guys said them. He was like, if you guys want anything changed with this you're the league presidents. You can vote this rule out. This is on you guys. I'm just, I'm just the, the, the one that implements the rules that you guys put in place. So that was a little bit worrisome for me that he didn't kind of, didn't give really give any, you know, confidence to, to us basically saying, you know, yeah, well there's individual cases. We'll have to see. He kind of set a blanket. I, I'll be ruling on whatever the rules are. So that part was a little bit, a little bit nerve wracking for me. But going back to Olivier Sars case, I went to the official SEC rule book. It's it's SEC byline fourteen point one point fifteen, and that states 
a student athlete who upon enrollment at the certifying institution has less than two years of eligibility remaining shall not be eligible for intercollegiate competition at a member institution until the student has fulfilled a, a resident requirement of one full academic year or two full semesters at the certifying institution. So their rule basically is, a red shirt. The, their, their rule is if you transfer into our program or our conference with, with, uh, with less than two years of eligibility remaining, you have to sit out a year, no questions asked. But it goes on to say a member institution may request a waiver from the conference office for a student athlete transferring from an institution and then listed three separate cases that was uh, discontinuing a sport um, that they can't that student athlete can't complete his or her eligibility uh, at the institution um, for the purpose of enrolling in an academic program not offered at the institution for which she is transferring. So, so he or she is transferring. So they didn't really say we approve waivers for cases like Olivier Sars. Olivier Sars was just a, a, from what we know, a professional decision that he thought Kentucky was the best for his professional future. I don't know how strong of a case uh, it would be to the, to the SEC. We had a strong case for the NCAA. They obviously saw the, the same way because they approved him. But I'm very interested to see how strict the SEC gets uh, about this. You, would you, think don't hear many, you don't hear many seniors uh, yeah. leaving. I, I, I've been far from going in-depth on this uh, because I've, I've actually in the last couple of days – try to go back and look at cases in SEC and, and try to find if there are any seniors who left or granted eligibility. And there were some I would look for who were actually, actually a little bit younger than I thought and weren't seniors, but it had been, you know, sophomores, juniors, things like that, who went to the SEC. Nick King was one I thought of because he was at so many schools, but he was actually a sophomore after his sophomore year when he went to Alabama from Memphis. Um, but um, – a lot of these guys, when they wait that long, man, they're, they're, they're grad transfers. Yeah. So, you know, seniors coming on board, uh, actual seniors are really rare. Uh, one thing that you might look at, and I know this just from having um, covered Vanderbilt for a couple of years, um, Vanderbilt has a, a rule, and actually it's an SEC rule uh, for graduate transfers, and it goes along with this. Mm -hmm. If you uh, are at – if you go graduate transfer from one school to another, you can't go to that school if you're going to take a – your grad class is going to be the same one the other school offered. Gotcha. In other words, if I want to get an MBA and the other school I was at offers an MBA, I can't transfer. And it always hurt Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt, and I'll show you where I'm going with this. Vanderbilt is a has a very small uh, uh, graduate school department. They don't have they don't offer many graduate you know courses. Yeah. Uh, so you take a big state school, it's hard to find one that that school doesn't offer and go to Vanderbilt because it's right. usually much smaller. So this time it's kind of turned around that perhaps Wake Forest you know, has this, you know, would have, uh, Kentucky would have classes the Wake Forest doesn't have. But here's the thing. Can you pull that off and say by the time a kid's a senior, say, yeah. oh, he's going to change his major, <laughs> you know, or would a kid even want to do that? Right. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot to look at there. Yeah. So that, 
makes me more it definitely makes me more optimistic with SARS case specifically that the NCAA approved it that they deemed that his case was strong enough with them to approve it which would would lead me to believe that the SEC which relies on Kentucky basketball in the 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 overwhelming status of Kentucky being the you know the gold standard and and all that stuff that is a money driving program for them they need Kentucky to be good to you know for for their own sake so you wouldn't think that they would go out of their way to decline a waiver from one you know arguably the best transfer in the game in college basketball in favor of um you know just out of the sake of of a nitpicky rule in the ACC rule book so you know I personally think that they'll end up going forward with with this, um, I think I, end up being I'm kind of the other way from listening really? to that that bothers me a little bit because I think those three waiver issues are pretty well set in stone. Yeah. And and that's the thing. And I'm sitting here thinking, first one, no. Second one, no. Third one, maybe. But yeah. then, look, and that's kind of a stretch. So, you know, the thing is, what if the SEC decides to do that, you know, it's they're going to kind of going outside those three areas, you know, so, you know, will they do that? But do you think that given the, you know, the, these rules have been established for years now, we're more so focused on the time right now with COVID going on with, with such an, a, an uncertain, you know, this is, these are unprecedented times. We've talked about this on the show in the past unprecedented times call for unprecedented decisions. And I think this personally would fall under that category without even. Well, let me ask you this. Would you say that Gatewood and Cade Mays are, they're probably in that same situation. I mean, you know, they're not discontinuing the program. They're, yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're none of that stuff going on. And you're talking about going from one big state university to the other one. So, you know, there's not anything there. It really leaps off the page. So, I'm yeah. like you. Yeah. I think in the end it will, but they're going to have to pull something out of left field. I, I just don't think it's a clear-cut case. that you, I, I think more than anything, you're throwing yourself on the mercy of the court. You're not going into the, to the uh, uh, Kentucky law and saying, okay, we this is where you messed up. We got you here on this one. I, I think you're just you're pleading for mercy more than anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm pulling up Greg Sankey's comments on the other rule, the SEC to SEC rule. So this is this is completely different. But his wording with the other one was so stern. I mean, it, I mean, he the, the rule literally said uh, there's a very direct rule that says if you transfer from school A to school B in the SEC, you serve an academic year of residence uh, before you're eligible. There are a set NCAA oddity ex, uh, exceptions. Um, blah blah blah. Um, so we're inviting people to campus knowing there's a clear rule. And now everyone points and says, well, you need to let people out of that rule. Uh, so he kind of worded it like, again, you guys put in this rule. I'm only the, I'm only the one that's following the rule. You guys need to change the rule if you want me to change my tone. Who do you feel more optimistic about? Uh, Olivier Saar or Gatewood? Um, from, from looking at all this, you've read, you've read that the statutes on, on both from an out of conference transfer for a senior, and then for an, an in conference transfer. So you've looked at both. So I would, which one do you feel most optimistic about? I would probably say SAR, given the the bylaw itself had an out. You know, they literally writ in they they literally wrote in there. Okay, these are our rules. 
but if you want out of them, here are the guidelines. So if they're already willing to have an out for this specific byline or bylaw, I, I would assume that they'd be a little bit more flexible than, especially with, with Greg Sankey being as outspoken and defiant with it, you know, with, with this on a public radio show for Tennessee football, for Kentucky, you know, Auburn's, I mean, he was a four-star. Joey Gatewood is a, is a high-profile transfer going, you know, from a high-profile school, big name out of a high-profile school. Same thing with Cade Mays, you know, Georgia. If he's willing to be as, you know, outspoken and, and against it with that case, it kind of gives me more, you know, kind of makes me a little bit more, more pessimistic on that case than it does with, with, with this other one. So I, I definitely lean Sar. What do you think? Uh, yeah. And honestly, I've not kept up with a Gatewood deal as much, but it just seems to me that I think we get more pressed and obviously, I mean, if, if, if they go first, let's say Cade Mays is eligible and Gatewood's got to be eligible behind it. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Those are, those are going to so be it, one, one, a one B. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to wonder, okay, you look more out of the SEC or NECC. I would think that a player would be more – it looked to me like he would have a better shot if he was coming out of the league because it just looks to me like if we're inside the league, that's just another hoop you got to jump through. Uh, but like I said, he's a senior, uh, and it looks like, you know, the, the academic requirements on this uh, make it look like, uh, you know, that, that there are some statutes there. Like we said, they're set in stone that uh, they're going to have to find a way maybe to get around. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see, especially, you know, I think Mark Stoops specifically said in the last couple of hours that he didn't feel confident that Joey Gatewood was going to get his, um, that he, that it wasn't going to get his, his waiver before this Auburn trip. So the wait will continue into next week and, and beyond for there. But- I don't, I don't understand if you're going to do it or not. Let's say they don't get it. I understand that. Yeah. Because, I mean, when did he transfer? I mean, it was back in the winter. So you've had this whole time to look at this. Why do you wait until the season, after the season starts to do that? It just does not make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I <laughs> makes no sense to me at all. And, uh, and it, and it definitely creates a, a difficult, situation for us as fans of just football I mean you want to see Joey Gatewood eligible you want to see Olivier Sar eligible I mean there's there's so many moving parts and all that but I get it and I get it but you just think in in these difficult times that they would that they would just kind of rush to make these decisions and get it over with and and oh yeah I live in the heart of the big orange country, man. If Tennessee football wins, it is unbearable. It's unbearable. <laughs> and I don't want to – I'm going to be honest. I do not want to see K. Mays get eligible. I'm not going to lie. I don't. But uh, here's the thing, though. I don't understand, even with K. Mays, why they would wait till after the season starts to do that. It's either yeah. yes or no. Yeah. So, you know, what's fair is fair. Yeah, we, we we'll we'll see, and I believe we'll we'll hear something in the the very near future. My gut is that we hear something next week after the Auburn game, after the Joey Gatewood thing dies down. There's rumors of that gentleman's agreement, which you know, depending on who you believe, I 
I'll take I'll take the side of our very own Travis Graff on that one who reported that there is a gentleman's agreement that basically said he's good to go after the Auburn game. Uh, well, that makes sense too, since they're playing Auburn first. That yeah. make, I can see that. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see there. Um, all right. Before we get into the fun recruiting stuff that I'm sure you're just dying to talk about <laughs> with all of the excess stuff going on that we've talked about off, uh, off the air, guess who's back? My bookie is back with us. Uh, we, they've they've extended with us, so we're going to talk about them. And, and David's going to present his beautiful, beautiful picks that hopefully won you guys a ton of money last time. Um, but unless you've been living under a rock, you know the NFL is back and the NBA playoffs are in full swing, which can only mean one thing: it's winning season at my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is ten times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team. Regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. With the biggest online selection of bets and props, they've made it simple to win and easy to withdraw your cash. Right now, they've got a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away $5,000 in cash prizes every four weeks. You would be crazy not to invest in your sports knowledge with that kind of potential return on your investment ten dollars to win thousands sign me up you can sign up at my bookie just use the promo code sources say to claim your 100 percent deposit match all the way up to a thousand bucks that means if you put in a hundred dollars they'll give you another hundred dollars it's an easy way to jumpstart your bankroll nfl nba and mlb they've all got it on tap and it's never too late to get started on your winning season exclusively at my so are you taking Kentucky and seven and a half? I absolutely am taking Kentucky. And over under is 49 and a half. That is going to be a little bit more interesting. I, I think I might I think I might dabble in the over as well, but I am more focused on that seven and a half. I think that's just flat out disrespectful. Kentucky is going to cover that without even thinking twice, knock on wood, whatever you want to do. But I feel very confident in that. And I personally will be taking my bookie up on that offer again. in, $100 back without even thinking twice. You could make a ton of money on that game. What are you thinking about that Auburn line? Yeah, I'll take Kentucky. I'm the same way. I don't know about the over-under, but I'll definitely take Kentucky 7.5. Yeah, I think that that's a little little high, I think. You said it was 49.5 over-under? Yeah, yeah. And I always like, you know, those half points on their side of a touchdown. Yeah, it's that's a little scary. I think. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'll probably stay away from that. Um, But that seven and a half, I just when when you look at the physicality of Kentucky up front, there's just no way that that they won't be controlling the game the way that we've seen Kentucky football do very recently over the last several years under Mark Stoops, John Schlarman. That I mean, what they're doing right now is is just unheard of, and I'm excited to see it going. As you guys can tell, I'm getting very amped up about it. It's going to be a very, very fun game. Uh, we're looking forward to it, and I want you guys to look forward to it w- w- with your bank accounts as well. Don't just enjoy it as a fan. Go through my bookie and enjoy it with extra money. We're talking free money with that with that Auburn line right there. All right. So now we got that out of the way. It's time to talk about. What you are just dying, dying to discuss, and that is the recruitment of Sky Clark and how uh, it's officially coming to an end next month. So, 
he sets he finally sets his commitment date for October 22nd which was just what two three days after we had heard that he was going to push it back till you know November December time frame so he kind of backtracked a little bit on on the the timeline but ended up pushing up to October 22nd we're not going to go too too in detail about the specifics of everything because I believe uh, that is something that we want Travis on the show when the commitment happens to break it down either way, whether he goes to Kentucky, North Carolina, if he surprises, surprises us with anybody else, Travis needs to be on this show to kind of um, unveil, uh, un- unveil some of the, the uh, secretive behind the scenes stuff that has been happening uh, since the start of this recruitment, since the offers, you know, how it unfolded from there. Um, as of right now, David, we can talk about this, how in detail, how, um, in depth you want, but from the get go, what is your, your, as of seven forty on September 24th, what is your, uh, what is your take on Sky's recruitment? Um, I don't think we know. Um, and you know, I think you're going to see between now and October 22nd, I think you're going to see that the winds change. I think you can see it go different directions. Um, I think you're going to hear Kentucky be favored for a while. I think you're going to hear North Carolina be favored for a while. It wouldn't surprise me if you don't hear of another school being favored. Um, But I think it's going to take different turns. Um, I just think right now, whether or not they know what they want to do, I don't know. But I think there's, you know, intentionally a lot of of smoke. just to kind of keep the water stirred where, you know, there's not a consensus about what he wants to do. And I just think they want to keep it as uh, probably as unpredictable as they can keep it going into the decision, but where where there's still a lot of intrigue and interest. Yeah, I think, I think you, I think you did a good job of keeping it, you know, not, not unveiling, unveiling too much there, but still, you know, it's, it's just such a complicated situation because at one point it, it was, we can confirm done deal to Kentucky. Like all sides were aware of this. I'd confirmed this through Kentucky that they were under the impression that he was coming. The people we've talked to on Sky's side have, you know, let us know that that they were very much leaning toward Kentucky and that the odds were very, very high that he'd end up in Lexington. And it seems like there was a a moment in time where Kentucky was pushing for a commitment. They weren't jumping on the opportunity for a public commitment. And they, you know, Hunter Salas, that situation kind of unfolded, realized he's a top six kid in the nation. He would have interest if if they started pursuing him. They started kind of feeling him out a little bit more, then started realizing that Sky might be – the last conversation I had with UK's side, they are under the impression that he's sticking with 2022. There's other rumors on Sky's side that he's going to make the jump after Peach Jam. There's there's just a bunch of of logistical things that have have unfolded in the last – I mean, the expectation was that he was going to commit to Kentucky like first week of August. And then when we got to mid-August, then late August, then into September, and then into mid-September, people started going, all right, at at what point is this starting to, you know, when is he going to jump on this? Where, No matter where he goes, when is he going to make a final decision on this? And, uh, And I think there's a lot of relief on Kentucky side. I think there's a lot of relief on North Carolina side. There's a lot of fan 
fan relief, media guy relief, that this decision is going to finally happen and it's going to happen on October 22nd. Um, so again, we'll talk way more in detail about it after the fact. Whether he comes to Kentucky or not, there's just a lot to dive into with this recruitment that it's just it's not fair to him or his family or just his recruitment taking the spotlight from him uh, about how things have unfolded and all that. So we'll leave that for the October 23rd show. Whenever the day after his commitment, we'll do something. We'll put something out about it, uh, and and we'll leave it at that for now. Um, but what we can talk about right now is is the the Hunter Salas dynamic and how with the you know things shaking up a little bit with Sky, interest in Hunter Salas has has increase exponentially in in recent weeks recent months and uh and i, I want to get your take right now uh, we're in, actually in the process I, i've been talking to his mom about getting him on this show uh, he was supposed to be on the show this week and 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 he was he's been busy with open gyms and workouts and, and all that stuff so we haven't been able to get him on quite yet but but that'll happen in the near future i want to get your your gut feeling on that right now uh and, and, you know do you think that this is an either-or situation with Sky? Do you think that that Hunter is is um, is the bigger priority right now for 2021? What what is your just take on the whole dynamic of the Sky slash Hunter? Uh, is it one or the other? Both? Neither? What do you, what is your take? Hunter would have to be the biggest priority right now because he's definitely 2021. Right. Uh, Sky is. You know, in 2022 right now, uh, and, you know, there's always that chance he could go back. And like you said, that's part of the uncertainty. Um, you know, he is when, – when he told me that he was going to stay 2022, um, you know, that was in no uncertain terms. But then, you know, Kenny did bad – few no more than 24, 48 hours later, uh, said, you know, never say never. We will keep that door open. Mm -hmm. uh, so – but – Right now, he could go either way, you know. So, but we know that Hunter Salas is 2021. He's got to be the bigger priority because of that. And you're looking at an elite point guard who's now the high, according to rivals, is the highest ranked guard in the 2021 class. He may, he passed uh, Kenny Chandler. He moved up to number six overall. So he's right there, borderline top five player. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's who, uh, to me, I mean, I think over all the players right now, no matter what position, I would think that uh, Hunter Salas is your number one priority. I mean, when you look at Salas's game, and, and I believe it was Corey Evans who's now um, – he, he left Rivals, but he had a quote. I believe it was on Kentucky Daily with Sean Smith's show with, with Derek Terry. They do a phenomenal job over there. He said something to the effect of – at this point, two years ago, Hunter Salas was a regional mid-major player. Yeah. He was not going to be anything bigger than a regional mid-major. And, and now you could argue that he is the most highly sought-after guard in America, regardless of class. And when you think of just his growth and his development, what type of player he is, he's drawn comparisons to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, especially from a development standpoint. He's drawn comparisons to, you know, kind of a mix between De'Aaron Fox and Shea in terms of the the, the control aspect of the game with, with, with Shea and, and the speed and the athleticism of De'Aaron Fox. I mean, this is a, this is a can't-miss – 
I mean, if, if he's knocking on Kentucky's door saying, I want to come, this is a kid that you take his commitment and you prioritize him over anybody, you know, in the guard class. I mean, I just think that's just, that's just a fact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's one of, like you say, it's a, it, that's a no-brainer. I mean, he's the top one out there. Uh, one thing that, that I like about him, you talked about him, well, Corey said, you know, he was a regional mid-major player a couple of years ago, and I've, I've spoken with people that know him well know the family well and are basketball people. And they've said that same thing. And I can kind of see it because, you know, he, he, he's still kind of thin. I think we probably looked at him at one time before he grew. Yeah, I can see him as a 6'1", 6'2", kid who really doesn't fill out the highlight tapes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't make the incredible plays. So I could see him being in that boat. But as he grows and his game's grown – and he doesn't, he doesn't have anything in his game, to me, that's not a strong point. So, yeah. to, to me, that, that sticks out. He does everything well. And it's not where he just, well, he's okay at this. And you don't look and say, okay, you don't have a weakness in this game. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. I'll look at him and say that there, there's not a, a part of his game. It's not a strength. Yeah, and I think that's kind of – when you look at Nolan Hickman's commitment already to the program, we've talked about him on the show, talked about how much we like him and, and his long-term potential. And then you look at, at Devin Askew and the likelihood that he, he, he returns for a second year. And I know, as we've said over and over again, it's never a guarantee for a player to return for a sophomore year at, at Kentucky. It's just, that's just a fact. But playing the odds here and, and knowing just, you know, roles and, and, and how, how it'll likely fit – Odds are good that he will return for a sophomore year, so you got to kind of play that, you know, you know, play that out. If you have all three of those of those guards, and, and Devin Askew is kind of the lead guy, and Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman is the as the you know, if if you're doing the three guard lineup like Kentucky did this past year, you know, however you want to do it with Coach Cal, numbers are starting to get tight. If we're talking about Sky Clark yeah. as a as a reclass of twenty twenty one, you know, one thing too about Hunter. Um, and you look about fit for Hunter, and of course the thing is, if 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 I'm him, I would think definitely that I could play over Nolan Hickman, and that's not a it's not a, a knock on Nolan Hickman, but you would think the number six player in the country is going to play over the number fifty six player or whatever he's ranked right, right now. Absolutely. Uh, but one thing too, if you look, as you guys know, I do work for the North Carolina side too. Trust me, that North Carolina backcourt's going to be stacked in 2021-22. It's going to be really good this year. They've got, you know, depth, uh, quality depth. They've got quantity and quality. So, and so if you look at the others, Creighton's probably a top-10 team this year, and they're riding that because they've got a fantastic backcourt. Mm-hmm. So if you look at all these teams and you're looking for fit, uh, I mean – all of them's got stacked backcourt. So I don't think Kentucky, as far as talking with Hunter Salas, I don't think Kentucky's at any disadvantage because of, of uh, you know, a fit or, or what's available on the roster. I don't think North Carolina or Creighton are at a disadvantage. I believe that's a wash. So, yeah, I don't think definitely it doesn't work against Kentucky. Yeah, and when you put Kentucky heads up against Creighton, I know there's the home factor, and there have been some rumors that, that he would like to potentially stay home, but – there's also the other rumors that if there's one thing that's going to take him away from home, it's going to be a blue blood and it's going to be a Kentucky. So I spoke with an individual here a week or two ago, and I don't want to mention him, but he's, he's a national recruiting guy and he's been really kind of uh, playing Kentucky more and more. I said, it just sounds to me like you think it's Kentucky. And he says, I do. 
He says for two reasons. He said, number one, he said, I just don't think at the end, like you said, Creighton's going to be able to hold off a of blue blood. And what you said made me think of that. But the other thing he said was that, you know, he had to North Carolina. He had offer. He had the uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank. He had North Carolina offer. He had the Kansas offer. Kansas, but yeah. he was really wanted the Kentucky offer and Duke. That's where we really wanted offers from. Duke didn't offer. Uh, but when Kentucky did, he said, I just feel like that was kind of a game changer and really feel like that's the, the one that he wants. And I know Corey, I think in that same interview when he went on with Sean, said, uh, I think he called that a game changer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was his quote. So, I mean, I, I, I do think that that Kentucky offer did mean something to him. I don't think there's any way around it. Yeah, absolutely. That's – and, and – and... Travis can't be here, but he but he talked to us uh, beforehand. He called us. He he talked to somebody very close to the Kentucky basketball program and asked specifically about Hunter Salas. And uh, and Kentucky right now feels very confident uh, in in that recruitment. Didn't say that it was a runaway. Didn't say that it, that it was a it was a home run by any stretch of the imagination. But did say that yeah, we're right in the thick of things. We we're we're you know that we're going to be competitors in this recruitment so we're getting confidence on Kentucky's side there are rumblings that that no one's or um uh Hunter's mom really likes Kentucky and and that that as as Corey said that that this Kentucky offer was a game changer he's been waiting for a blue blood offer that'd be the one school the one type of school that could pull him away from home you know you go down the list of of all the saying all the right things and and all that and in it does feel like we are, you know, inching closer to a, you know, there were rumors that he was going to wait until the spring to make a decision. And then, uh, you know, now. Let, let me add this. I'm sorry. One thing I do know, and I'll say this, I put it on house of blue and it's about, so I don't feel like I'm giving away the premium information there because it's been there. It's just not breaking, but a lot of people don't know this. Uh, but an individual who knows this recruitment as well as anybody uh, has told me that, and I've said this all along, that, that Hunter, um, I've not said it all along, I've said it in the last few weeks, I'm sorry, that Hunter uh, actually would like to get this thing over now, but as far as the family goes, there's a little bit of a split there. Uh, we've got part of the family saying, no, let's wait, and, and Hunter would actually, I think, kind of side, let's do it now, but I've heard since then that Hunter, that that the family's a little split there. That Hunter really kind of likes Kentucky, and uh, you know, there's others in the family there that are leaning in other directions. So they're all trying. It's a tight family knit group. They're trying to get on the same page. But I'll say this: I, I know, like example with Kendy Chandler. Kendy Chandler um, did a Zoom call with Roy Williams on a Monday night, and his dad loved it. Mm-hmm. I talked to the, the, the Colin the next day. He loved it. He said, we got another one next Monday night. I can't wait. And then later that night, I saw an interview. And the day after I did the interview, Brent Hubbs of BallQuest was in Knoxville. And, and from Knoxville was in Memphis. And he did an interview with Kendy video. Kendy's like, look, I'm getting ready to get this thing over. I'm tired of it. Yeah. I'm going to get over soon. And 48 hours later, he was committed to Tennessee. And that's when I knew that, you know, he and dad didn't see things like on the, on, on the recruiting part and that Colin really wanted to play that out. He wanted to have another Zoom call with North Carolina. And I've been told since then if, if 
Kenny would have waited to August, or excuse me, to April or May. He'd have been the dad would have been fine with because he was yeah. loving it. Yeah, but but the son was burned out with it. He's ready to get it over. Yeah, so, so that, that top families have they don't agree on everything. You know, they're in it together, but obviously you're different people. So no, no two people are going to agree on everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean that that's going to be a a good sign that you know potentially could Hunter say you know screw it, I, I want to just get this thing over with and and commit to a school. The earlier, the better, I think, for for Kentucky at this point with with how things are trending and how much they're pushing right now, uh, the timing of the offer with everything else going on. I mean, it really does feel like we are uh, that we're trending toward an early signing period commitment and it being Kentucky at this point. So think, you know, we'll, we'll learn more with with Sky's recruitment if, if he decides to change his mind again and and goes back to Kentucky for 2021. Does that change things? I don't know. I know Kentucky will accept him in 2021 if he were to commit tomorrow and and announce his reclass. They would accept his commitment. They do like him and and, and all that good stuff. But again, Hunter Salas is Hunter Salas. He's a guy that you you take and you make work no matter what the situation is. And hopefully we get him on the show here here soon and and he can confirm that for us. All right, we'll end the show with this. Bryce Hopkins, 2021 four star forward, uh, announced that he is cutting his list of five. The general consensus it's going to come this weekend um spoiler alert talk to his dad uh it's kentucky is going to be on the list surprise yay shocker everybody you know nobody had any idea that 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 was going to happen um so we know one of the five david what's your general thought right now as your as your thoughts change at all on on how long this is taking you know the we we talked to his coach before we talked to his dad uh both of them kind of said that i expect him to to get this thing wrapped up sooner rather than later kind of seems like this is dragging a little bit or have your thoughts changed at all no no they're not it, it, it's and i'll give you an example um i read where and I, it was eric bossy who wrote that you know, he still thinks uh, Kentucky is the leader, has no reason to doubt it, and pretty uh, probably a strong leader right now. But he'd heard that Texas was making a push. And I spoke to an individual who uh, is close to the Texas program, and uh, this would have been yesterday. And he told me, we were trying to work on some contact information around Bryce, and he told me that um, – he said, you know, the Texas staff really hasn't been able to talk to him much either. They, they've kind of grown quieter. You know, Bryce was pretty open about doing interviews, and he's quieting down. And he says, well, I don't think the Texas staff's been able to talk to him much either. So for Texas to be able to make that push, evidently, you know, that's been rumored out there, they haven't been able to, to speak with him a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I know I'm getting a lot of texts from people in Illinois wanting to know um, what we're hearing here. I think Indiana feels like that they've got a shot in it. So, and I don't know. Every time I try to pick five schools, I screw it up. But <laughs> I would say I do, man. I mean, it turns out to be a cluster. But I would say, I would say Texas, uh, Illinois, and Indiana are who that fifth school is. I don't know, but uh, Providence maybe. Not, if not, yeah, if they're not on that list, I'm not going to say I'm surprise like oh wow it, yeah indiana didn't make it but you know illinois was just you know his family is an illinois they're illinois people he's got a lot of 
family members went to school there, I was told that his dad, you know, has got Illinois stickers all over his car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Illinois. And so, you know, in Indiana, it feels like they've made a strong push from things I've read. And then you hear this about Texas, but I, I just, I've not heard anything at all to make me doubt it. And when I've asked people, well, why the delay here a little bit? And they said they just really wanted, he wanted to be sure, but he's really trying to separate this thing from the Louisville. Yeah. He yeah. did not want to decommit and then go commit, you know, right after that. He wanted to go through the process. And I think he wants to be sure, not rush it. I, I mean, I understand that. I don't know yeah. why you would do that and then just, you know, commit the next day somewhere side unseen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he, his dad said that to us and, you know, it, it was a heartbreaking decision for us. The, you know, the, the NCAA kind of decided it for us when it became apparent that, that there was a bunch of uncertainty with his, with, with, you know, the sanctions and all that stuff. Um, so I, I totally understand why they would want to distance themselves from the decommitment and, you know, just kind of the, the shadow of, of, of that before plunging on, on another, uh, you know, big time commitment, especially if it's going to end up being Kentucky, you know, Louisville's biggest rival in Kentucky. So um, makes total sense. I expect Kentucky 100% to be on there this weekend. His dad said that he was, he, that UK will be. So um, from, from, from that point, Will, in fact, I tried to get him on this show tonight. His, uh, his dad said that Bryce's schedule was packed up too much so he couldn't jump on with us. But we'll have him on the show as well. Also working on Damian Collins as well. So we're, we're, we're going to get a, a good guest on for you. We're going to get a really special guest. For I can say this here. too. Um, Travis and I have talked about this. And Travis on, on, on Cats Illustrated, he's more like the guy that breaks the stories, the uh, stuff that happened. And I, I do more of the interviews and do the story that works pretty well together. But I know this, um, you know, trying to get some of these guys, you know, my whole thing's based around calling guys and, and talking to them or coaches or parents or whoever and doing interviews. And, man, it's just – I'm telling you, it's like pulling teeth trying to get even 2022s to get them to say anything right now. So it's oh, just quiet all the way around. Especially with with how coaches can only talk to them through Zoom and through in, you know their own little interviews, I bet the last thing they want to talk about you know in in the past they get a text from UK or whatever that says hey come visit us this weekend all right we'll talk to you then that's the extent of the you know conversation now because it's exclusively through virtual visits and Zoom calls and you know all that stuff I. I, one would one would definitely assume that they get very uh, worn out with this process and just you know media and all that. So, so yeah, we're just just be patient with us. We're going to get some some really special guests on the guys that you guys want to hear from. They will be on very soon. We're working on it. Um, but with that, we will call this episode a show. Uh, we'll we'll end it there. So with that, David, where can fans find your work? Uh, Cats Illustrated uh, on the Rivals Network. Travis Graff and myself, and also um, on Twitter, Coach David says, I'm stuck in that 46, 4700 range, man. Did your Twitters kind of do that when when COVID hit? Some things it's like it was going up. My Twitter followers were going up, and then when COVID hit, man, it's like you get lose two or three, gain two or three. I mean, it's just like a, a crawl. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it's a. Uh, I think they're weeding out some of the some of the bot accounts and the fake accounts yeah. and, and all that good. yeah i think they're you know the ghost accounts that don't exist anymore i think they're in the process of of weeding through some of those so 
I love it when I get uh, when I get to jump talk on Twitter from somebody and you look at them and, they, and it's their first tweet. They've got like one follower. And it's usually Chris five four seven eight nine. You know, <laughs> it, it's first name and seven you know seven digits of of what whatever. So yeah, that that those are always those are always fun. All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we will be back next week for another jam packed Sources Day podcast. We will see you next week.